Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning, Rocky Peak. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, We uh, had a great time away, but it's good to be back. Uh, It was fun to listen in uh, to the teaching that was going on here. Wasn't it awesome to see uh, Dre uh, uh, up here? And uh, it was so fun for me that uh, uh, that that Friday, that Saturday, I was texting Dre all day long and uh, asked the ministers, how did it go? And then as soon as it went online, uh, downloaded it, listened, and I'm going, you go for it, you go for it. I'm just like, this is doing a great job, an awesome job, and uh, so so fun to welcome him to our, our teaching team. And uh, I'm so thankful for the, for the teachers that God has brought here at Rocky Peak and this team that he's assembled. And uh, I always think in Acts 13, it says that in the, in the church of Antioch, which was the key church that kind of sent out to the Gentile world, kind of the, kind of the key center of Christianity early on, uh, that it says, in the, it says in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and it was five guys who were key leaders, and it's just part of our philosophy here that we'd be a church, multiple leaders, multiple teachers that would bring the word, and I, I think we're breaking through that paradigm that if the lead guy isn't there, hey, take the week off, uh, because the fact is Jesus is here, right, every week, and that's why we come. We come to hear him, we hear his word, and so uh, just they, all the guys, they did, did an awesome job, but it is good to be back. Uh, I've got to warn you, my voice is a little weak last night. I'm on some new medication for this voice issue. I don't think it's working. Uh, and I came back yesterday, and, and typically when I'm uh, during worship, I, I just pick my spot straight. I just love to worship. And one of the worst things about this voice issue I have is I can't worship very much. I can't sing very much. It just blows my voice out. And so I pick my spots, and then I lip sync the other points because uh, I'm just so into it. It's like this is the closest I can do. And, and, and so, but last night I thought I wanted this new medication. I've been off for uh, um, a month or been away for three weeks, and so I'm just going to go ahead and sing, and, and it was like a bad decision. And so about halfway through the service, I'm sounding like Bruce Springsteen last night, and I was ready to start off with Born in the USA, and, uh, and so I'm feeling a little weak today. But I just want to assure you that I've never not gotten through a message. So, uh, so if it gets weak, just don't worry. I know a lot of you start worrying, praying, God help the boy, uh, that he makes it through. Uh, but we will assume that God will empower me to finish through the service today at 11. And so don't worry about that if I start sounding a little raspy. But uh, it's really good to, to be back. And uh, uh, it, was, it was just fun. When, when we were away, I, I got to visit a couple big churches. One was the, the previous church I, I came from. It was awesome to be there, but can I tell you something? After being in worship last night, it was like, man, there is no place like home, and uh, it is so good to be back with you, and I just love what God's doing here, and so if you're here for the very first time, my name's Mike, and I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Rocky Peak, and we're just so glad you're here. We're going to go into our time of teaching right now, and so inside your program is a message note sheet. I encourage you to take that out. It will definitely help you follow along, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're, I'm going to jump in. So you guys all, you all set? You ready to go? All right, let's, let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you're doing here in our lives. And, and most of all, uh, thank you for who you are and for your passion for us 
and this amazing love that caused you to, to come and to rescue us and to lead us in the new relationship and to transform us and change us from the inside out to become more and more like you. And we just thank you for that relationship you're drawing us in. We want more of you like we were singing. We want more of that fire. We want more of that passion. We want more of that relationship. And we pray today that as we come, as a church gathered in your name, gathered around your word, gathered under the authority of your leadership and in the presence of your spirit, that you would meet us now. You'd speak with power. You'd speak with clarity. You'd convict. You'd teach. You'd change. You'd shape us from the inside out for your name's sake. And we pray it uh, in the name of Christ. Amen. we're in the midst of a series right now. In fact, in fact, if you're brand new here, this is actually the, the last day of a series that we've been in for the last, I think it's 11 weeks. This is week, week 12. It's called The Power to Change. And so for those of you who are new, because every week uh, God's bringing us new people, uh, for those of you who are brand new, uh, this is a series that's based on a letter uh, from a man named the Apostle Paul that he wrote to a church that he'd started about five years before in the southern tip of modern-day Greece. It was a, a seaport city named uh, uh, Corinth that's still there today, major metropolitan city. And so he had gone, he'd started the church, people had come to Christ, he'd been there a year and a half or so, uh, that he'd left, and, and in the meantime, he writes these letters back to mentor them as their spiritual father, kind of mentoring them on what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so, fortunately, we have two of those letters, and so they're in our New Testament, and we're studying the second one, 2 Corinthians, and, and, and especially chapters 3 through 7 in this series. And so, uh, it, over the course of the last 11 weeks, we've learned some amazing things from the Apostle Paul about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what God has done to rescue us, uh, how he wants to transform us and give us the power to change and become like him. And so today, what I want to do as we come to end this series is not so much introduce a lot of new material, it'll be some, and not so much new material, but, but to kind of remember some of these lessons that we've learned and, and we kind of wrap them up so we can take them with us. And I want to start today, I did something last night, I I wasn't planning to do, but I, I liked it, and so I'm going to do it again. And it's, uh, so it's not on your note sheet, but I'd like you to turn with me to a little book in the uh, end of your New Testament. It's called Second Peter. And so it's written by the Apostle Peter. It's the second letter of his we have. It's a small little book, three chapters. Uh, if you'd look there, though, and find it in chapter one. And as you're turning there, let me uh, just kind of lay it out. Uh, Peter is writing to these, these people that he's helped mentor, disciple in their, their relationship with Christ. He's uh, in this opening chapter, he says, you know, as followers of Jesus, you have everything you need to grow and to become like him. And he says, but, but you need to focus in on your growth and you need to kind of cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And, and he kind of lists, here's some character qualities that God wants to build into your life to help you become like Jesus. And, and after he kind of lays those out, here's what it looks like to follow Jesus. He says this in verse 12. And it's just so profound, and I think it has great implications for you and for me in the, in the way we grow in our life. And he says in verse 12, he says, so I will always what? Remind you. Can we say that together? I will always what? Remind you. Okay, underline that. Uh, of these things, catch this, even though you what? Even though you know them. So he says, what I just taught you in this opening chapter of how to grow and become like this, I will always remind you of these things, even though you already what? Know them. So, so what he's saying is that uh, it's important to remind ourselves of things we already know. He says, even though you already know them and you're firmly established in the truth you now have. He says, I think it's, it is right to what? 
refresh your memory, okay? Uh, as long as I live in this tent of this body, as long as I'm alive, because I know that I will soon put it aside. We know that, that shortly after he wrote this letter, apparently, uh, the apostle Peter was arrested in Rome. He was, uh, he was crucified upside down for his faith. And so uh, apparently Jesus has made it clear to him that his time is getting short. So he's writing this letter. He says, I, I want to remind you of these things that you already know, refresh your memory, and I want to continue to remind you as long as I'm alive because Jesus has made it clear to me that I don't have much longer uh, to go, and I, wanna, I want you to always remember these things after I go. And so he says, 14, because I know that as soon, uh, I, soon I will put it aside, I'll put this body aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, you know, not much time left, and I will make, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, that is, after I go to be with Jesus, you will be, always be able to what? To remember. And so here's what I want you to catch. Uh, as followers of Jesus, to grow and become like him, to be transformed, to, to walk through life, one of our greatest needs is not so much to hear new information as it is to be reminded of things we already know. Like, like how many times do you need to hear that God really loves you? Like, right? like how many times do you need to hear God say to you, don't be afraid, I've got this one. Right? Like how many times do you need to hear, hey, you need to surrender to his leadership? Like how many times do we need to hear that, hey, God will lead and teach? How many times do we need to hear, hey, the power of the spirits within you, trust him? Like how many times do we need to hear, right? We need to hear the things over and over again. Why? Because not so much because we've never heard them, but because uh, we, the truth leaks out of our life. It's like, like, we've, like, like, oh yes, I forgot that. And so that's one of the things, and I want you to catch this, it's one of the things, one of the reasons we come to gather, gather every weekend. It's not always to hear new things, it's to be reminded of things that we already know, but we've forgotten, you see? And, and so, so many times in my life, God will come and, and it will show me something, he's like, oh, it's so powerful, I forgot that, right? And so today what we're going to be doing is not so much new things, we're going to be remembering what we have learned already in this series so we can wrap it up, put a bow on it, and then take it with us into our future. And so there in your note sheet, there's a section called The Power to Change, Seven Important Principles. And, and what I want to do is kind of walk through these, uh, these chapters, these uh, five chapters that we've studied. And what I want to do is just pull out kind of seven of the highlights, things that we can take with us as we move forward uh, as followers of Jesus. So number one, the, the first thing we talked about in this series is the power of the new covenant. And I want to spend a little bit of time here because it kind of lays the groundwork for all the rest. So one of the things that we learned is that with the death and resurrection of Jesus, remember we started this series the week and weekend after Easter. And so you remember at Easter, we talked about this changes everything, that, that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, it opens up a whole new era of human history. And so that, that through his death, we're able to enter into a new kind of relationship with, Christ, with God based on the death and resurrection of Christ. And so we talked about this in terms of covenant. That, that when we enter into relationship with God, that, that Paul says in chapter three of 2 Corinthians, we enter into covenant with God. 
And so we talked about covenant. We talked about the Old Testament. We talked about how when, when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, that God entered into covenant, a formal relationship with them. I will be your God. You will be my people. Here are the terms of the covenant. And, and we saw that uh, at Mount Sinai, God gave them the Ten Commandments, but they were never able to really follow God, to really love God and love people. Like Jesus said, was kind of the summary of the Ten Commandments. They were never capable because of their fallen human nature. And so we saw that the prophets began to predict, like Jeremiah and the other prophets began to predict that one day a great king would come, a Messiah would come, and that he would enter into a new covenant. And Jeremiah 31 talks about this. And so he says that when this new covenant comes, when this new relationship comes, there will be three or four gifts that we will be able to receive as we enter into covenant with our coming king. You see? And so we talked about this. We use this diagram. Remember how we talked about this throughout this series? We've said that when a man or woman enters into covenant with God through Jesus Christ, that the first thing we receive is the forgiveness of our sins, total amnesty for all crimes committed against the king. Second gift that we receive is we receive a knowledge, a new knowledge of God. And it's not just cerebral, it's not just mental, it's not just theological, it's all of those things, but more than that, it is experiential. It is a firsthand, experiential, personal knowledge of God. And then the third thing we did is that a power is released in our life. That when a man or woman enters into covenant with God through Jesus, that, that there's a power that is released. The way Jeremiah put it is God says, I will no longer, I'll not just write my law on tablets of stone, like, like in the first commandment, but I'll write them on the human heart. I will change you so you can love God and love people and it will be changed from the inside out. And then we learned that, that, in the, that the mark of this, new, this whole new covenant is the gift of the Spirit. That, that, that when Jesus came and died, that it entered a new era of the human race where we would have access to the Holy Spirit. He would come and live with us. We would become the temple of the living God and he would, to lead us and guide us and change us. And he is the one who communicates to us the forgiveness of God, the knowledge of God, and the power of God. All right, and so, and so here's what I want you to catch as we wrap up this series if you are a follower of Jesus, or when you become a follower of Jesus, if you're not one yet, that you enter into covenant. It's interesting, I had a next step dessert for newcomers at my house last month, and I was talking with a man who's just kind of whole new at this Christianity thing. He's just, he's just kind of brand new, I can't remember, he's 56 years old, I can't remember, he's brand new, started coming to Rocky Peak, God's been touching his life, and I said, so tell me what's happening. He said, I think I'm entering the triangle. <laughs> right? I'm entering the triangle. And see, when, when, well, this is what happens. When a person comes to Jesus, they enter the triangle. And catch it, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are inside the triangle, and by definition, the terms of the contract with God, the terms of the covenant, the formal relationship, the terms of the relationship, if you're a follower of Jesus, you by definition have access to all these gifts. These are all yours, here and now. Not someday, not whatever. You have forgiveness, you have access to truly know God, the Holy Spirit's in your life to release his power. That is who you are, okay? Now you may be experiencing all that, you may not, but this at the core is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You've entered into covenant, okay? Now number two, 
The, the uh, second principle, and, and by the way, uh, don't forget what Jesus said when he came, right? When the true king came, remember the last night be, that be, when he, before he was arrested, he's with his men, uh, and they're doing the last supper, which was, remember, was the Passover meal, which was a meal about the, the, the lamb that was slain uh, for our freedom. So it was, it was symbol, symbolic of his death. Remember, after the Passover meal, he takes the cup of wine, he passes around to his men, he says, I want you to drink of this wine. Each I just drink of this wine. He says, this, this cup is the cup of the new what? Covenant. In other words, what he's saying is it is go time. The prophecy of Jeremiah about the new covenant is here. And it's being initiated through my death and resurrection. And so through that, we've entered into this new covenant. Now, number two. The second thing we talked about is the power of transformation. And so what we learn is that when a man or woman enters into the triangle, enters into covenant, that, that they begin a change process. And this starts the moment you become a Christian, kind of change from the inside out. But what we learned is that the whole point of following Jesus is to become like Jesus, right? Can, can we say that together? The whole point of following Jesus is what? To become like Jesus, right? So he doesn't just save us so he can go to heaven. He saves us so he can be transformed to become like him and then be, go to heaven, you see? And so, uh, so what we learned is that, and this is a supernatural process, so because the Holy Spirit's in our life, that he becomes a mentor or a leader, and what we learned is that he's the one in charge of this process, that we're not in charge. It's, it's not your job. For, for example, like if you go into to, uh, Barnes and Nobles, right? If you uh, uh, go, went into, uh, what was the other one? A Borders, right? It's already gone from my mind. Uh, that like, if you were to go into those stores, right, and, and you were to go to the nonfiction section, what you would find is one of the largest sections in the store is the self-help section because we know we need help, see? And so we know we need help, but this is not a self-help journey. Uh, entering the, this is not self-help. This is spirit help, right? And so we need a spirit help section, uh, right, in our, in our, in our stores. So uh, what, what happens when you enter into relationship, the Holy Spirit then begins a transformation process, and he's in charge of this. And so Paul talks about this. In fact, uh, let's go back to the first point, and, and let's talk about this covenant that, we, that uh, Paul talks about. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians 3. You find that in, under point number one. Paul puts it this way. He has made us, talking Paul talking about himself as an apostle, as leaders. He says he's made us as leaders competent as ministers of the what? The new covenant, right? So there it is. He says, not of the letter, remember like at Mount Sinai, but of the spirit. See, it's a covenant of the spirit for the letter what? Kills. You see, see the, the first covenant uh, told us what you're supposed to be, but it didn't give us the power to change. And so the end result is we came under judgment uh, because of our, our rebellion. And he says, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives what? life. It leads to transformation. So look at under point number two now. Look what Paul says. He says, we, uh, under, in 2 Corinthians 3, we who with unveiled faces, and remember we said that when a man or woman comes to Jesus, it, it's as if the veil is taken away from our eyes. And, and for the first time in our life, we can see who God is. We can see who we are. We can see how our relationship with God, we can see who Jesus is, see how life works. He says, so we with unveiled faces, we all reflect or behold the Lord's glory. We can all see him. And, and so we are being what? Transform. Let's say it again. We are what? 
Yeah, we're transformed. So, so if you're a follower of Jesus, you've entered into a transformation process. It's going on here and now. If you are the same person today that you were a year ago, something is wrong with the, with the process because, because you should be changing, right? There should be more love. There should be more compassion. There should be more purity. Uh, purity there should be more gentleness. There should be more courage. That as we grow, he's gonna change us. And so Paul says that we're being transformed. And we're being transformed into his what? Likeness. So the whole point of following Jesus is become like Jesus uh, with ever-increasing glory. It's an ongoing process. And then he says, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Spirit. See? And so what, what he says is that once you enter into the triangle, you enter into a transformation process. And the Spirit is in charge of this process. He's lead. So you don't have to change yourself. You don't have to figure out what, uh, what's wrong with you. Right? God already knows what's wrong with you. Right? It's a long list. Right? <laughs> And he's going to take it one at a time. He will not overwhelm you. But he knows what screwed up. And he knows how to fix it. And so you don't even, like you think you're screwed up, but you don't even know half as bad as you are. Right? And so he knows, he knows exactly what to do. And he is in charge. He's like the general contractor on the site. You're his project. He's in charge. Okay? But we do have a responsibility, don't we? And that responsibility, as we learned, is to listen and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, last night, we were baptizing some people. Young woman, uh, kind of mid-20s, and we're meeting with her ahead of time with everyone and just sharing her story. And she, she shared about this, this kind of life of rebellion, kind of growing up in the church, and life of rebellion, a high, a high school, college year, sex, drugs, you know, rebel, whatever she could do to rebel, darkest time in her life. And, and just recently, she's come back to Christ. She's been renewed. And, and she's, she talked about this, and she talked about that, she said that, you know, that, that this year, that, like God has been putting on my heart for a while, he's been calling me to be baptized. I haven't wanted to take that step, but he's been calling to me to be baptized. And she said, there's been a couple other, issues. The Holy Spirit's been kind of talking to me about my, I've been resisting him. But every time I surrender, there's a new freedom in my life. And so every, every time I take that step, and, and so that's exactly right. She's, she's describing what the, she's come to Christ, the transformation has started. Now the Holy Spirit's like saying, this is your next step, this is your next step. And so the key to our growth, men and women, catch this church of Jesus, is to listen and follow. Right? Listen and follow. This is not hard. This is not hard. You listen and you follow. And the more you listen and the quicker you follow, the faster you change. You see? And and so Paul uh, talks about this uh, in Galatians 5, and he says, since we live by the Spirit, right? We've We've come alive by the Spirit. We've been born again, new life. He says, let us keep in step with the Spirit, using a marching analogy. You know, we've come alive, now let's walk with him. Let's journey with the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's not lag behind him. Let's not go another way. Let's keep in step. Number three, the third thing we learned is the power of perspective. And, and, and what we learned um, is that when we come to Jesus, we enter into this amazing relationship with God. God comes into our life, gets to transform us. But, but we learned that, that God has never promised that in this life it will be easy. Okay. And so some false teachers had come to Corinth with a new teaching. And basically, for the best we can make of it, is what they were teaching is that if you follow Jesus, 
you'll experience his resurrection power in your life. And that means you'll be protected from all hard times. You'll never go through hard times because you'll always win. You'll never die because Jesus is resurrected and you'll experience that power kind of here and now. And Paul says, no, no, that's not true. That as followers of Jesus, we will go through hard times. In fact, we will share in the death of Jesus, his sufferings, and we will share in the resurrection power. And in fact, he says, in fact, the way to power is through the, the suffering. It's through the death that comes the resurrection. And so God will allow us to go through hard times. Sometimes it will become a persecution for following Jesus. You know, family, relatives, friends, whatever, bosses. Some, sometimes it will just be from the hard times that we all go through in a fallen world. It's just God will allow that. Says, but here's what will happen. In the midst of the hard time, God does some of his best work in our lives. And it's in the hard times that God meets us, he draws us to himself, he changes and shapes us, and then through us uh, empowers us so that others can see God empowering us through incredibly difficult times. And, like, and say, how is that happening in your life? I, I was reading a story from one of our life group stories uh, that, that was sent in, kind of a God story, and one of the men was saying, he's talking about earlier this year, he was uh, he was uh, diagnosed with a particular kind of cancer. He's had to go through chemotherapy. And, this, and, he, and he talked in this story about how God has strengthened and met him and changed him. And he said, I never would have known God. I never would have experienced God in the way I know him now without going through what I've gone through this year. And that's what Paul says. It's in the death that we experience the resurrection. And it's in the death that we come. And so, so Paul says, so as followers of Jesus, what we should do is we should not expect that this life will be easy. It's not. Jesus said it will be hard. He says, but what we need to do is we need to focus on the next life because the next life is coming is amazing. And we know it's amazing because of the resurrection of Jesus. We know that it's gonna be physical, it's gonna be real, it's gonna be tangible, it's gonna be new heavens and new earth. And because of his resurrection, we know it's not a myth or fairy tale that Jesus is the first step of the new creation. And we know it's coming. He says, so as followers of Jesus, we need to focus in, uh, on what's coming in the future. During the hard times, we need to focus on the future. And so we need to live this life for the next life. And so as followers of Jesus, we've entered into covenant. We're in the process of transformation. But we need to remember that this is not our home. That's our destination. Stay focused, living this life for that life. So the way Paul puts it there on, uh, in your note sheet in chapter uh, Four is so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is what? Unseen. For what is seen is what? Temporary. What is unseen is what? Eternal. So this life is short. Next life is long, right? And so he says, get, get, get a clue here. Get some perspective. I know your life is hard, but it is short. It's a blip. If we had a rope here stretched across the room and we said your life, it would be like, put your finger down. There it is. No, that's too big. What do you have smaller? <laughs> you know, it's like your life is short. Next life is long. Keep that in perspective. Live for the next life. Now, number four, the, the fourth, um, the fourth one, we, the fourth power was the power of the new creation. And so we, we, we learned as followers of Jesus that when we enter into this, this covenant with God, 
that not only do we receive these gifts of forgiveness and knowledge and power and spirit, that, but that something happens to us at the core of our being, that we are changed at the core of our being. Paul says it's so powerful, it's so profound, it's really the start of a new creation. This new creation that started with the resurrection of Jesus and we'll, we'll, we'll continue, that we enter into that new creation reality when we become a follower of Jesus, that at the core of our being, we, we're changed. And so, so Paul talks about this. He says, you know, it's like uh, in chapter four, he says, uh, it's like the light goes on. It's like uh, the veil's taken away. It's like, he says, it's like, like in, in the first creation, uh, when God first created the world, he spoke and he said, let there be light. And there was light. And Paul says, it's like when a man or woman comes to Jesus, it's like God says, let there be light. And it's a new creation. And the veil is taken away. And we see who Jesus is. And we're changed at the core. And he says that, that it's like we receive that DNA of Jesus in our life. And so at the, the deepest part of us, we're no longer who we once were. At the deepest part of us, we're, 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 we're a, a change. The truest thing about you is that at the core, you're, you're a different person. And so with that DNA of Jesus comes new, uh, new perspectives, comes new priorities, comes new passions, and, and most of all, there comes a new sense of purpose. And that purpose that's kind of deep-seated in the heart of every believer is to live for the glory of the one who saved us. Like, like whether we know it or not, the deepest thing about a believer, is the deepest desire is, is to live to please him. And so Paul spells this out in uh, chapter 5. And he says there in Yochi, he died for all, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer what? They should no longer live for themselves. That, that, that there's a whole new purpose, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they become a believer, he is a new what? New creation. The old is God, the, the new has come. And, and so, so we come into this relationship that something supernatural happens at the core. And, and you experience this. I talked with a man last night after the service who was going through some things. And he, he talked about when he came to Jesus and, and what changed. He'd been addicted to pornography. There were certain things that were, that were going on in his life, addicted to masturbation in his life. And he said it was just like all consuming. And the moment he gave his life to Jesus, that was taken away. Now, that doesn't always happen that way, but, but what I'm saying is that, that when you come to, things change. Things change. It is, oh, things change. It's like you were once this, you are now that. Your, your thoughts change, your, your emotions change, your perspective changes, but, but not everything changes, right? Because we still have that old creation part of us, what the Bible calls flesh, and so, so now there's this battle between us, between the old creation and the new creation, and so we talked about this, that we're newly created in Christ. It's the deepest truth. We still have this thing called the, the old creation or the flesh, and there is a battle that goes on. And we talked about this, that as followers of Jesus, the key to growth and transformation then is learning to surrender to the call of the new creation. Remember we talked about that? The, the key to our growth. And, and so in your life, that as we surrender, just like that girl that I baptized last night, she said, the Holy Spirit's talking to me about these couple things the last few months, and I, I've battled with him and I've resisted, but then as I surrendered, it was like this blessing came and this freedom came. And that's exactly right. 
Right? So at our core, we are new people. The deepest thing I know about you as a believer is that at your core, you have a passion to know and please him. And, and you may be pursuing other things, and you may forget that, but the deepest truth about you is that you are his. The deepest thing about you is that you love him. The deepest thing about you is you want to please him. And can I tell you something? You will never be happy. You'll never be fulfilled, and you'll never be free until you surrender to that call of your new creation. And then you never be free. And, and when you do, and every time we do, and every time we say yes to Jesus and no to the old creation, something new comes alive. We, we begin, our, our life begins to sprout and it begins to grow. And so men and women, we want, we want to be a church that is a new creation church, amen? That we want to be a church that is saying yes to Jesus. We want to be a church that says yes to the leading of his spirit. We will follow, and as we do, we will come alive, and your marriages will be changed, and your families will be changed, and your community will be changed, and your jobs will be changed, and people will come to Jesus because we are being changed. We're new creation people. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Number six. Oh, five. <laughs> All right. Number, number five. The power of the cross. So up to this point in Corinthians, until we get to chapter five, second Corinthians, Paul really hasn't talked about, he's talked about a new covenant, he's talked about a new creation, but he, he's talked about the next life, but he hasn't talked a lot about, about how this has all been made possible. And so this is the big picture question, is that, I mean, we're the rebel race, right? We've rebelled against our true king. We, we've rejected his leadership. As a race and individually in our lives, we've all told God to, you know, take a, a flying leap. We, we haven't used those words, but we've basically said, don't bug me. I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna run my life. And so we are the rebel race. We've rebelled against our true king. And as a result, we're under this sentence of death for our crime of high treason against our true king. And so, so the question is, wait, wait a second, time out. You're telling me that, that, God is offering us to enter into covenant like a marriage type thing. He's offering this, this deep relationship. He's a, like, how is that possible when we've committed treason and there is a sentence for death over our life? Like, how is that possible? Like, when you go to court and you stand before a judge, you want the judge to be a righteous judge, right? Like, you want him to be a true justice. Like, the cry of your heart, when you go before a judge, and, and you, you want him to hold the guilty, but you don't, you don't want him to just like, if someone offended you, ripped you off in your business. You don't want to go before a judge and have the judge go, hey, I just feel sorry for you. I'm going to let it go. Like, you're like, no, no, he ripped me off. Like, like, you need to hold him accountable. And so we all want a true judge with great integrity. So the question is, how, how can God w maintain his own integrity uh, and forgetting a rebel race when we've committed high treason and the sentence over our life is death? How, how can that happen? And so in chapter five, Paul begins to spell this out, this amazing story of this daring rescue mission where God became part of us, entered in the human race in, in, the, in the person of his son, and, and he, he uh, uh, comes and lives the life that we were supposed to live, uh, and, and then he dies the death that we deserve, the sentence, and, and so that he does that for us so there can be this exchange. 
And we call this the great exchange. And so he says, Mike, you're over here. You're on this side. You're, you're, you're guilty of, of judgment and treason against the high king. And I, and I say, he says, how do you plead? And I say, I plead guilty. That's absolutely true. And Jesus is over here and he says, uh, uh, Father, I would like to uh, offer to take this sentence for Mike. And I, I would like him to receive the credit for the life I live in. And I will, I will take this sentence. And this is what happens on the cross is that when Jesus goes, when Jesus is beaten, when the crowns are put in his head, when his back is taken to shreds, when his intestines are hanging out, when he's lying, and when he's hanging naked on the cross and the flies are around and the blood are coming down and people are mocking, he's doing it for us. He's doing it for you. He's doing it for me. He's taking the sentence that we deserve. And so Jesus says, here's the offer. I will take your sentence. You get the credit. It's the great exchange. And so Paul says, that's how it happens. That's how it works. And, and there on your note sheet in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, God made him who knew no sin, absolutely perfect, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the what? The righteousness of God, that you and I stand before him clean and forgiven because of this great exchange. And so what does that mean? It means it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. That girl last night sharing her study, sex, uh, uh, just a life of, of promiscuous sex, a life of heavy drugs, a life of total rebellion, doing everything I could to run away from God, that, that, that I was far from God, and so what I deserve death, but, but God says, I don't care what you've done or how far you've gone or, or, or what your story is, that this, this, this covenant is not about you. This offer is not about you. It's not about you earning it. It's not about you deserving it. This covenant is about me. The offer is I take the punishment for you. And so what it means to us here is it doesn't matter. And if you're here today and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're here to see a baptism or it's the first time you've come or whatever, I want you to know this is the offer that Jesus is making. It doesn't matter what you've done because it's not about you. It's about him. It's about what he's done. And so, and so what does it mean? It means that when we enter into God, relationship with God, it's not about our performance, it's about his. And that means that we can stop trying to perform for him. We, we don't live under a life of performance, right? We live a life of love because of what he's done. And what it means for us, brothers and sisters, if you've entered into covenant with Jesus, I want you to understand this. You are deeply loved. And what we learned is the story is the story of a God who loved us so much that in spite of our rebellion, while we were his enemies, passion enough came to die for us. And, and this is the God you've entered into covenant, and he sings over you, as it says in Zechariah, he sings over you, that, that he delights in you, he loves you, he, is, he may discipline you, right, when you're off track because he loves you, he may hold you accountable, but this God is crazy about you. And he is passionate. And you, as if you're a believer, you are deeply loved today. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. Because you're deeply loved because of the cross. Amen? Amen. Now we can go on to six. <laughs> Number six. <coughs> the power of Repentance. And so we talked about this, this gift of salvation, this gift of covenant is free. There's nothing we can do to earn it, but there is something required of us, and what is required of us is repentance. To enter into this triangle, that we have to come under the leadership of our true king. 
And so he talked about this in chapter 4 and later in chapter 6 and 7. That the message of the gospel is that we have rebelled against our true king and that the true king has come and that to enter into covenant with him means that we bow the knee. Uh, one of my favorite scenes, whether it's in a book or in a, uh, a movie, is, is like if you're, you're reading like, kind of like a story about King Arthur, that sort of thing, you've probably all seen this sort of thing, where maybe a, a person who wants to be a knight, uh, wants to be a knight of the king, he'll, he'll come, and have you seen this, how he'll kneel down on one knee like this, and then, and then the king will take his sword, and he will, he will put him on one side and another side, and he's, he's uh, officially saying, I receive you, and, and I, I commission you uh, under my kingdom and into my, to be a warrior for me. And so now you belong to me. And, and that picture is a beautiful picture of what happens when a man or a woman comes to Jesus. Because we've been living a life of rebellion and, and we've been living a life of treason. And when we come to Jesus, here's what's required. It's required to enter into the kingdom. You only go in on bended knee. All right? No one comes into the kingdom standing up and saying, let me in. The only way you go in the kingdom is on bended knee and you say, I surrender to you as my true king. That there is no salvation without surrender. And, and, and Jesus talked about this. When Jesus came, uh, in fact, in Matthew and Mark, uh, they, they, they summarize his opening message that when Jesus came, what he said is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. To repent means to turn around, to change direction. And and so we've been been our own king in our life. And and so we take off this crown, and we put that crown at his feet. We say, I I now surrender to your leadership. So so there is no entering covenant without surrender to our true king. Now, the thing is, is that even after we come into covenant with Jesus, and, and we would say, Jesus, Lord, in fact, there in your note sheet, this is what Paul's getting at in 2 Corinthians 4, where he says, we, we don't preach ourselves, that's not our message, but our message is that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, so that, that's the message. And so, so this was the message of the early church that Jesus of Nazareth, uh, who, who was uh, uh, born uh, uh, in, in the backwaters of the Roman Empire and grew up and was crucified by a Roman governor, that that Jesus has been raised from the dead, triumphed over death, and he has ascended now to be the, the king of the universe. He's all authority in heaven and earth has been given. He is in charge of the universe, and so you need to repent because your true king has come or judgment is coming. See, so that's the message. And so when a man or woman comes into relationship, we repent, we, we bow the knee. But, but have you noticed this, that in our lives, even as believers, that we would say Jesus is our Lord, that he's our king, uh, he's, he's the top, uh, he's the leader of our life, that even though we'd say that, have you ever noticed that sometimes we rebel? <laughs> ever noticed that? Uh, and, and so what, what happens when we rebel against what, what we're doing is that we're at odds with ourselves because we're saying Jesus is Lord, we're acting as if he isn't. And it's like, it's like a bone that's been broken in our life. And in order to get right, we need to what? We need to repent, we need to reset that bone. And so, so what, what we learned is that when we're out of line with Jesus, we need to come back to him and say, you are my Lord, I surrender on this issue. And, and then, and remember what we learned, what Dave taught us, that, that, that salvation is more than, uh, I mean, that, that redem- uh, uh, repentance is more than remorse, but it's reversing, it's reversing direction. And, and so, of course, and then when we do, when we come back under his leadership, what happens is the life flows back in our life and we're back on track again. 
And so there in your notes, you, uh, 2 Corinthians 7, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to what? Yes, he's self, so see, repentance is the door that leads to salvation. And he says, uh, and it leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And so, so repentance is what we learned. Repentance is more than I'm sorry. Repentance is I'm sorry, and therefore I'm changing directions, and I'm coming into your leadership. To say I'm sorry and not to follow is not repentance. That's worldly sorrow, and it leads to death. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. It leads to life. And then finally, the seventh lesson we learned is the power of authenticity. And what we learned is that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we've entered in this new relationship with God. And since it's a relationship that's based completely on what God has done, not on what we have done, that, that we don't have to pretend like, like, we live in a place called grace. We're all messed up. Uh, none of us have it together. I mean, anyone want to say, yeah, I've got it all together, right? Anyone? Last night, there was a couple people. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't think they, they didn't understand the question. But, uh, like, like, we're all messed up, right? Can we just admit that? We're all messed up. I'm messed up. You're messed up. We're all people in transition. Uh, by definition, we're being transformed. Why? Because we're not what we're supposed to be, right? So, so, but because of the cross of Jesus, we don't have to pretend. We're not getting in by pretending. We're, we can be real. We can be honest. And this is what God calls us to do, to live out in community. This life, was, as Joel said, we're honest about the hard times and we're, we're honest about the hope that we, we have, that we, we are honest about both. And so Paul models this so beautifully for us. I mean, here he's this amazing apostle, uh, but he's, he's going through hard times. His critics are often saying, look, how can Jesus be with you all these hard times you're going? And he says, no, it's in the hard times God, God meets us and and I want to live that out before you so you can learn that lesson. And then he gives a great example in chapter 7 where he says, when, in verse, on your note sheet, when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we are harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside and what? Fears within. Now, are you catching it? Fears within. This is the Apostle Paul who years later in Philippians 4 will say, hey, in all things, uh, by, uh, you know, he says, don't be anxious for anything, but with everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, bring your requests to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. So this is what he says, but in his own life, he said, man, but I'm going through fears right now. Now, it wasn't fears for himself. It was fears for the Corinthians and, and, and that they're gonna get off track and they're gonna walk away for Jesus. That was his deep fear. Right, but but he was afraid. He talks in chapter eleven. He talks about the the daily weight and pressure I feel from all the churches. He he feels this weight, this this pressure that he feels, and and so instead of saying, "Hey, I've got it all together. I'm always happy. I'm always up. I never doubt. I'm never discouraged. I'm never down. I'm never afraid." The Apostle Paul, he's just right out there, man. I'm, we were going through hard times. I was beat up. Chapter one. I was beat up. I thought it was over. I was about to give in chapter seven i'm conflicts uh, 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 uh problems on the outside i've got fears on the inside and so so here he is he's living his life kind of authentically and he's modeling that for us and so men and women this is the church we want to be we, we want to be the church of the new covenant 
right? We want to be a church who's entered into a relationship with Jesus, who's going deeper into forgiveness, deeper into the knowledge of God, more power in our life, experiencing the transforming power, listening to his, the voice, following his voice, surrendering to his leadership. When we get off track, repenting. And in the midst of all that, we are living honest lives. We are living it together. When we're up, we're up. When we're down, we're down. Nothing makes me happier than to hear of a life group that's coming to a place of intimacy with one another where they're sharing the real stuff of their life, the real hurt, the real pain, the real joy, sharing up times and down times because this is what it means to be part of this new community. We're living out new covenant, being transformed, eyes on the future, future focused, but we're living out honestly and authentically as God leads us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are just so thankful for the power to change and for this new covenant. And we are so thankful for the gift of Jesus who through his death and resurrection makes a way for us to be restored into covenant, to come to a place to receive these gifts of forgiveness, this firsthand knowledge of you, this God that we love, this power to change, all directed by your spirit. We are so thankful for your lordship that we've come back to our true king. And God, we're just thankful for the way you work and you lead and you move in our church and in our lives. And God, today, as we, we prepare to baptize some new believers who are entering into covenant with you, saying, yes, they're putting on that ring of marriage, saying, yes, you are my God, and, and I'm entering it. We pray, God, that we would just uh, be, be moved during this time as we remember what you've done, and as we reflect on the reality of your love for us and that your power and your love has come down in our lives and that we would be a church as we move into our future who lives out new covenant realities, listening and following the, the leading of your spirit as we experience your increasing transformation, going from glory to glory, becoming more like you in your image, and that you would use us then to change the world around us and bring others to know you into this amazing movement of change. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. And that's what it's all about. It's about the power to change this life of transformation, new covenant that's been brought about by Jesus, that when we enter into covenant, we become his now and forever. Amen? Amen. That he is ours, and we, are, uh, and we belong to him. I think back of the original covenant with Mount Sinai, where he said, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And that has been God's vision from the very beginning, and it's the vision of the new covenant that, that we would be his, he would be ours. And so that's the message of change that we have, not only for our own lives, that's the message we have to share with those out there who don't know, amen? That, that we wanna bring them in and hear that message of change. I hope you can be with us next week as we enter into a brand new series. You can see it on the screen. It's, it's moving on in 2 Corinthians. It's the next two chapters. It's only three weeks long. And so if you're on vacation during that time, I encourage you to podcast but what Paul is going to say is that, that when Jesus comes and changes us, this is not theoretical. This is real. And it has real evidence in our life. Our lives change. And one of the ways they change is in the area of generosity, that God is the ultimate giver. Uh, Jesus is the ultimate giver. And when we're transformed to be like him, we become people of passion. We become people of, of compassion. We become people who love to give and to make a difference. And so for three weeks, we're going to talk about the power to give. It's called Jesus and Generosity. I think it will be as a powerful series for us as a church for your life. And so I hope you can be with us all three weeks. And until then, may, uh, may the Lord of the resurrection be with you. May, may the Jesus who through his death changed all things, may, may he be with you. 
Uh, may the God of the covenant be with you. May you experience his presence this week. May you revel in your forgiveness. May you go deeper in that knowledge. May you experience his power. May you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. May you follow that you'd enter into the freedom that God has designed for you. May you ultimately bow your knee to your true king that you might live for him, no longer for yourself, for that's your highest calling. It's your deepest fulfillment, and it's the way God will, will make you the person you were created to be and use you for what he has. Amen? Amen? So God's blessing be with you. I'll see you next weekend as we start our new series. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.